You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. until Jesus comes and takes us out of here. And man, if he lit the candles a while back for the, for the supper, they must be burnt down pretty far by now. He's going to have to come and get us before he puts new candles in there. I think he's coming soon, folks. I think he's coming soon. That's my, that's my opinion. I read it in Scripture. I see it all the time. What's your stand? How do you stand? It's time to get right with God. If you're not right with God, why not? Sadly, many resist and put it off because they misunderstand who He is and what He wants for them. As Pastor Dave will warn in today's message, not only are you risking the severe consequence of eternal judgment, you're missing out on the abundant spiritual riches God has for you in this life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 21 as he continues his message, Beginning of the End. He didn't want to imitate his godly father. Instead, he imitated the worst kings of all, Israel, Ahab. He embraced the idolatry. He embraced Baal and Ashtoreth. He added altars dedicated to foreign gods by making the Lord Jehovah one of the many gods. We're doing that today. Oh, we're, God's one of many gods. Jesus is one of many gods. Ah, no. There's only one God. There's only one mediator between man. His name is Jesus Christ. Don't fall for that nonsense. Not all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's as clear as it can be. Manasseh worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He didn't only bring back the old forms of idolatry. He brought a new idolatry. So let's go. Hey, I have some new things, folks. woo the entire Babylonian Empire was a rising influence, and they loved astronomical. Say, buddy, what's your sign? They liked astrological things. Manasseh probably said, this is cool. Let's bring this in. See, anything goes. Do you see what's happening here? You can see it today. Anything goes. He built houses. He built altars in the house of the Lord. It's bad enough to allow idol worship. Bad enough, but yet, he corrupted the true worship of the one true God in the temple, the temple of all places, which was made for the worship of God by building idols in the temple itself. Horrors. Horrors. But he's not completed with his horrors because he made his son pass through the fire. Remember when we talked about this? You know what that means? You remember what that means, Tom? I'm always calling on you. I know you know what that means. It means he sacrificed his son to the Canaanite god Molech. He sacrificed his children. Children sacrifice. They worship Molech by burning their children. I remember one time in Israel, we were going through this one spot. I think it was the gates of hell at Caesarea Philippi. And they had this great big altar out there where they used to burn children. Oh, I got, I got chills and creeps just standing there looking at it. 
It was horrible. It's horrible. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children each day are sacrificed in the name of abortion. It's horrible. He practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, consulted spirits and mediums. Well, this guy did it all. There was nothing hidden from him. He had a satanic influence, and, and he loved the occult and the arts. He even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of the Lord. Asherah was the Canaanite goddess of fertility and worship through prostitution in the house of the Lord. This means that Manasseh made the temple an idolatrous brothel dedicated to Asherah. I love this. In verse 7b, he says, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I had chosen out of all of Israel's of the tribe, I will put my name. In verse 8, he says, And I will not make the feet of Israel wander anymore from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they're careful to do according to all that I have commanded, according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. Verse 9, But they paid no attention. They paid no attention. This describes the entire 55 years of his reign. They paid no attention. They didn't listen to the promises of God. They absolutely refused to listen. They disregarded his protection to obedient people. They willingly were seduced by Manasseh's wickedness. Evil, evil company brings down good habits. They were seduced by this, and they followed after it like the Pied Piper. They didn't even question what was going on. Church, look at what's happening today. Are you questioning right now? All the things that are happening in the world right now should be soaring in your mind with questions. What's going on? What does it mean, Lord? What do you want me to do? What should I do about this? He was a wicked king. But there probably was no greater sin than the people just accepting his seduction. In fact, 2 Chronicles 33.10 says this, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. God spoke to the people. God spoke to the leader, but they rejected his word, just like they rejected the prophets. This was a transformation of a culture for something generally God-honoring to a culture that glorified idolatry and immorality. Again, folks, if you're not getting a picture of the United States, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me. I, I, I don't know. They didn't care the direction that the nation was going. They didn't care what direction they were going. They would go in any direction except the direction towards the Lord. When there's a problem, what does the Lord do? He sends prophets. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spoke by his servants, the prophets, saying... Look at the warning. He sends these people in and look at the warning they give. He gives. Here's a warning. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him and has also made Judah sin with idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such a calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it both his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Ooh. I don't think I'd want the Lord to repeat that. I heard it. 
I heard what you're saying, Lord. I heard it. But bring such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah. Judah, he loved Judah. He loved Jerusalem after his own name. He loved the city of Jerusalem. But here he's going to bring such calamity upon it that their ears will tingle when they hear of it. Has anybody ever told you something that made your ears tingle? Like, whoa, oh, it's usually not a good thing. And then God uses another image. He uses the image, to, he's going to measure the kingdom with his plumb line. That's what a plummet is, a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is when the builders are making things, like when they're doing bricks, they measure to keep it all straight, and they have that plumb line down there. It, it, it's attached to a magnetic weight, and they, they, they can measure the law of gravity and find the right angles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know all about that. Plumb line doesn't change at the whim of the carpenter. It always remains true. And all the work must be lined up or risk being crooked. He's saying, Judah, I'm going to measure you with my plumb line. I'm going to measure you with my plumb line. I'm going to tear you down, Judah. The righteous judgment of God is coming. His judgments are just and true, and he will give the nation that which they justly deserve, just as he did the northern kingdom. The prophet paints another picture, that of a kitchen, meaning that God is going to empty the kingdom of Judah of the people, just like a person wipes water out of a dish when they're cleaning it. People are going to be no more. Judah is going to be bare. And this happens this happens. This is the beginning of the end. It happens. Verses 14 and 15, he says, So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims of the plunder to all their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. You get the feeling God's a little mad. <laughs> you get the feeling that he's a little ticked off. I mean, this is something that we don't expect from God. I mean, this is something that's difficult to teach because we teach in the New Testament a God of love. We teach a New Testament a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of joy and rejoicing, and a beautiful, wonderful God, a God of salvation. But if they don't follow his law, this is what's going to happen to those who reject Jesus Christ. They're going to face this kind of judgment. With those who don't accept Jesus Christ, they're going to face this kind of judgment. The wrath of God. God's judgment. His true and just judgment. They're going to face that. God had promised, I'll never leave nor forsake you. But he also said, hey, but if you disobey me, I will chasten you. Ooh, this sounds like a big wooden spoon to me. Somebody's going to have a sore hiney. I'll tell you that right now, man. He didn't break his promise. God never breaks a promise when people broke the covenant. Didn't he say in Deuteronomy, choose for yourself blessings or cursings? Choose for yourself. Your choice. Go ahead. They're choosing cursings. They're choosing cursings. It's almost like they're choosing garbage instead of a filet mignon. I mean, come on. This is what they're choosing. God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. We can always count on it. He's faithful when we're faithless. He can't deny himself. He's always faithful. He is faithful in blessings to those who love him and are obedient to his word. And he's faithful to punish those who are in disobedience. What did Jesus say? What must we do to do the work of God? Believe upon him whom he sent. 
God said, believe upon my son, Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's doing the work of God. That's obeying his commandment. That's being obedient to him. Then we walk in that obedience. Those that have rejected Christ, rejected him and say, no, they will face severe judgment. Severe judgment. Folks, it's not Dave talking. This is the Lord talking here in, in his book. Don't shoot the messenger. Look at verse 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood. Boy, this guy's having a field day. I'll tell you right now. This guy is really going crazy. Till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides his sin by which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So, hey, Lord, I'm doing all this thing. Let me add some innocent blood on top of that. I'm going to top off this wonderful delicacy with some innocent blood. Wow. This king actually comes from the spiritual demonic family of Ahab. He's following them, not his father Hezekiah. And can you imagine his father Hezekiah? We raved about him. We raved about Hezekiah, how wonderful and how great he was and what he did. And look at his son. The metaphor here is that he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other with the innocent blood of his victims. That's the metaphor that's being said here. That's what's being said. But there's a progression here to Manasseh's sin. First of all, idolatry is tolerated among God's people. Ah, you know, it's a little, little statue. It ain't going to hurt anything. I'll go put it in my lawn upside down to sell my house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's just a little statue. It's not going to hurt anything. And then we start saying, well, listen, if you want to do this, you need this. Why don't you take this little idol? And then it's supported and funded. Then we start doing, here, we're going to buy the idols for you. We're going to give them to you, and you can take them out there. And then the worship of the one true living God is undermined. That's when you hear, well, this Jesus is all well, but you need this. I'll allow the Judaizers in the Galatians churches. This is what's happening in our country today, and it breaks my heart. And look what's coming next. If you follow this progression, the true worshipers of God are then persecuted and murdered. Blood from one end to the other fills the street. In doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and by tradition, one of the evils did, one of the evils that were, was done, he murdered Isaiah the prophet. They believe traditionally that. Manasseh murdered Isaiah the prophet. They believe that he was the one in Hebrews 11-37 that was sawn in two. So his wicked reign comes to an end. But the die is cast, so to speak. The die is cast. Judah is in a place where they will never recover. They will never, ever recover. It's only a matter of time. Let's read 17 and 18 as we end with Manasseh. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden in his own house in the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. So in succession, now comes the next king. His name is Ammon. And he's not a lot better than his father. So much so there's not a heck of a lot written about him. So let's read 19 through 26. We'll finish the chapter, then we'll just wrap it up. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years, yeah, two years in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was Meshelameth, the daughter of Haruz of Japheth. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. Well, sure, why not? He, so he walked in all the ways of his father had walked. And he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles, the kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. It's an indication here because everything's so short. The blessing of God didn't really rest upon Ammon. He served an extremely short time. He did evil just like his father. He sinned just like his father. He didn't repent just like his father repented. It's likely that the greatest sorrows of the repentant Messiah, Manasseh, was that his sons and others were influenced by the sin that they did not repent. It's interesting that the writer in Chronicles speaks about a radical change in Manasseh's days. He was humiliated by the Assyrians. And they broke him of his pride and brought him to his knees. And the part I love is that Manasseh did go to his knees and he confessed and asked the Lord to forgive him. And guess what? The Lord forgave him. The Lord forgave him. The Lord had the Assyrians set the king free and allowed him to return. True repentance is a work of God in the heart and the willing response that the Lord hears. So he dies at son Ammon. There's nothing good about him. In 2 Chronicles 33, 32, it says, Ammon did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. The conspiracy, assassination, that belongs in the kings of Israel, not Judah. That's what happened in Israel. The kings of the people of Judah began to imitate the sins of the conquered nation Israel. They slipped in the same chaos, the same anarchy that marked the last. Crazy. People of the land executed all those who conspired against the king. This was a hopeful sign, but up at this point, they had largely tolerated 57 years of idolatry. 57 years of debauchery, 57 years of, of evil. Now it seems they want to return to righteousness. They want to look for justice instead of evil that they have lived in for so long. In some way, it could be said that the people of Judah, that because of these wicked kings for more than 50 years, got what they deserved. We've talked about this before, that God gives nations rulers that they deserve. He gives them that they deserve. As the people began to turn towards godliness, God does them one better. He gives them a godly king. And though King Ammon was assassinated, God did not allow Judah to slip into the same pit of anarchy that the nation Israel had sunk into. And because of the righteous action of the people of the land, there was no change to the dynasty, and the rightful heir to the throne of David came. And I love this quote. The only positive contribution Ammon made to the history of Judah was to produce one of the best kings to reign on the throne of Jerusalem. We're going to find out that Josiah is a godly king. 
He's a great king. But sadly, the nation ends and gets taken away into captivity. It's a sad, sad thing. We'll talk about Josiah as we begin chapter 22 next week. I made a lot of comparisons about what happened here in our country, and I think it's true. I think the comparisons are true, and I believe that with all my heart. You may disagree with me, and that's, your, that's okay. But I certainly feel that this, those things are happening in the United States today, and I really feel that way. And I pray that there would be some conclusion, but I'm not sure there's going to be before the Lord comes. Should the Lord tarry, I'm praying that there is some sort of a peaceful conclusion. There is some sort of a peaceful end. But I see us on the downward slope. Have we gone too far that we can't recover? I don't know. But I know our God is faithful and just. And I know that if we repent and if we humble ourselves and we turn from our wicked ways, he will heal our land. I know he would do that because he's a good, good God. He's a good, good father. And I know he wants to use us to witness in these last days, to witness his love and his mercy, even in the midst of protests, even in the midst of looting and, and killing, even in the midst of, of, of racial tensions, even in the midst of all these miscarriages of justice. In all these things, God wants us to stand up for him. I am a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ and has a relationship with God the Father. Secondly, I am an American. My patriotism doesn't overwhelm my Christianity. I am a Christian first because I've been born again into a living hope. And I think we need to look at it that way. We need to stand up for righteousness. You've heard me say before from this podium, right is right and wrong ain't. It's as simple as that. And we need to stand up for righteousness, church. We need to stand up and be counted among the righteous. God will use us mightily. He will continue to use us until Jesus comes and takes us out of here. And man, if he lit the candles a while back for the, for the supper, they must be burnt down pretty far by now. He's going to have to come and get us before he puts new candles in there. I think he's coming soon, folks. I think he's coming soon. That's my, that's my opinion. I read it in Scripture. I see it all the time. What's your stand? How do you stand? It's time to get right with God. It's time for us to rend our hearts, not our garments. It's time for us to be disgusted on the inside about what's going on, not on the outside. Oh, it's great to show everybody how disgusted you are and then join with them in the debauchery. But how disgusted are you in your heart? How disgusted are you with what's going on in here where it really counts? That's what we need to do. That's what needs to come forward. And God will bless us. God will continue to use us. If we stand up for him, if we stand up for righteousness, God will continue to use us. So my brothers and sisters, answer the call. God is calling. And God wants you. And God needs for you to come to him fully. Submit fully. Allow the Holy Spirit full access to your life to do a wonderful thing in you and usually, usually mightily in these last days. You are our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. 
If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope. Oh